Okay, I'm part of the crazy announcements here today. Um, so I wanted to let you know about two events that the women's ministry are planning. And the first one is this Saturday. Um, so um, it's coming up very quickly. This Saturday, we're going to volunteer, have a work day through the Ojai Valley Land Conservancy. And we did it last year. We had a great time down at the uh, river, uh, the Ventura River, to maintain trails. This year, we're going to do it a little bit easier access to the Ojai Meadows Preserve, which is right next to Nordoff. So if you'd like to go, all are welcome. Um, we had families down there, kids. It's, a, it's an easier access. The parking will be at St. Thomas Aquinas uh, Church in the back, as far back in their parking lot. And then we will meet there um, and go from there and just do some ground maintenance, uh, trail maintenance there. But it was a lot of fun. And it's a great way to just be light in our com community, give back to our community, and even just loving one another. Because it's a place that we can go and enjoy. Not only us, but our whole community can go there and enjoy being there and being outdoors. So it's a great way to give back to the community. All are invited. This Saturday, 9 o'clock, um, we'll meet at uh, the parking lot there. Hope you can all come. Second event is the week after on Saturday, May 6th. Uh, the women are having a worship night together. So that will be uh, here at, um, at the well, but in the commons, a little more intimate setting than in here. Um, and that will just be um, one hour, uh, maybe a little bit more, of a time that we'll come together um, to sing, to worship, to pray a little bit. A uh, few people might share. It's very non-threatening. I wanted to let you know as much of it as possible so there's no... Uh, you know, crazy surprises at the end. It's, uh, you don't have to do anything out loud if you don't want to, but it's just a good time to get together as women um, to um, just discover the Lord together and to encourage one another. So I encourage you all to come there as well. Thank you. Uh, and all this information is on the website. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I have a couple of other announcements without Roscoe. Um, so the first one, next Sunday, um, Teen Challenge is going to come and visit us. So we have the opportunity to invite a friend. It's just a great time. You hear the women's um, testimony, how they, they just share their life to you, how Jesus has helped them and on their walk. And then afterwards, they're going to be selling succulents. I guess it's some kind of plant. They put it in something and it grows. But it's, it eats, each one of them has a testimony on it. So it helps the program, but also tells the story of what their journey they went through. The next announcement I have is um, we, as a church, we come alongside Help Up Ojai and we make lunches. So there's going to be 20 lunches that need to be made. And so we're going to be making them. If you're interested in helping Cindy, which is Lynn's better half. Cindy, where's... Quite a bit better. There she is, the pretty lady in the red that didn't want me to call her out, but I did anyway. Um, contact her, and it's also there's a sign-up sheet on that welcome card as you walked in. So now, Aubrey, she's part of our missions team. Does it work? Okay. All right, good morning. Um, I just wanted to give an announcement, um, well, a few about the upcoming missions trip to Mexico, to Tijuana, in June. Um, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't working so well. Um, first of all, if you could just be praying for the team that's going down. We have a full team, um, first time, I think, ever. Um, Sign-ups are full. And we're going down... <clears throat> um, Again, in June. And if you could also be praying for the families that are going to be receiving new homes. Isaac, will you do me a favor and go back to the first slide? Yeah, thank you. Um, so this is my fourth year with my family going down to Mexico. And um, when we go down, typically this is the kind of building that um, the families are living in. It's usually a piece together, some type of kind of shack. There's tarps and plywood and and they're getting by with what they can there's no door usually there's no lock um, the floor is dirt and um, go ahead Isaac if you want to go through some of the slides and as we come down um, 
we are coming together to build walls and um, put in electricity. And the most recent change is they're providing a water tank so they can get water inside the house. Um, and that's the finished product uh, at the end is to have a two-bedroom house, um, an area for a sink, and a place for food. And we um, furnish it with um, beds and bedding and a dining table. We take them usually to Walmart and we get food and anything that they need. Um, kitchen utensils. We just try to set everything up so that um, they get this new start in a place that becomes a safe and secure refuge and shelter for them. Um, it is so beautiful to see. And for me, it's a reminder of our walk with Christ, how like that first slide, we're just broken and um, we need a safe place. And God is that safe place. And I love seeing the transformation and, and what they get to walk into um, and what they, how they get to live, um, that they get to invite people over, that they have a door that locks, that they don't have to eat off the dirt floor. <laughs> um, so it's really a beautiful thing. Um, and if you could just be praying for that upcoming trip, it would be so greatly appreciated. Um, so far, we have raised, or you have given, um, about $6,791 in donations. And we still have a lot more to collect and raise. Um, we're having a fundraiser barbecue Sunday, May 7th at 11.15. There are sign-ups um, out on the cart in the back. Please, please sign up if you'd like to come. There's no cost, but we would love donations um, to raise money for this trip. And... Um, yeah, we need you to sign up just so that we know how much food to prep for and, and what to provide. Um, last but not least, Betty always makes bags for the children in Mexico. Um, and so we have a chest in the commons where we can um, take donations of school supplies, small toys and gifts, toiletries, anything that you think might bless these kids when we go. Um, we usually make about 20? How many have we made, Betty? Something like that. And um, the kids all swarm and we're able to give um, all these children something that just brings them joy. So thank you for listening and um, we just appreciate your prayers. So thank you uh, for that. We're going to continue moving through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark this morning. And uh, back when I was introducing uh, the gospel, I, I shared with you that this is a gospel of action, right? The word immediately happens about 40 times. And so we're moving, right? There's not a lot of background necessarily. Uh, this is an action-packed gospel and we're, we're following Jesus around and we're learning uh, really by observing and being in the midst of his activity, his ministry, uh, with the people around uh, the countryside there. And it's a wonderful gospel in that sense, right? Uh, written to uh, Gentiles, to Romans who didn't have a lot of Jewish background. So uh, really the gospel of Mark is designed to just kind of launch us in there and kind of immerse us in the ministry of Jesus. The challenging part with that is that as we go through the gospel of Mark, it moves pretty quick. And so significant events will uh, happen, and we're going to focus on, on Jesus' baptism today. But in the Gospel of Mark, you know, that's three, three verses. And the brevity of the description of what happens in Mark may cause us to maybe gloss over and skip uh, some powerful truths, and some powerful truths today about the baptism of Jesus and quite honestly, that springboard us into incredible application for April 23rd, 2023. And so uh, I'm excited for you today. I'm excited for all of us as we look at the baptism of Jesus. And I just want to really encourage us as we go through Mark. You know, sometimes when, we, when they ask, oh, what are you going to go through? And I say a book or a letter. You know, the next question is, well, how long is that going to take? Right? 
Because we're kind of wired in our country to get from point A to point B as, as the crow flies, right? Let me give me there, right? How many of you ever done Google Maps and it gives you all the options and says fastest route, right? How many of you just go fastest route, right? Well, I've learned in working through scripture and my own Bible study and even preaching, you know, it's, it's, it's very rare is, is it linear, right? And for instance, uh, you know, the, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about the baptism of Jesus. And so I really want to encourage you as we're working through this or as you're going through your own Bible studies, even in your own Bible study groups, uh, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you really will find that the Holy Spirit will give you the pace. Because oftentimes as you begin to pray, meditate, study on scripture, the Holy Spirit will begin to open your eyes and heart to things that initially you may not have even seen. And with the baptism, baptism of Jesus, I, I believe that there's some truths here, again, that uh, if we just, we understand, you know, why Jesus was baptized, but in, even in understanding that that springboards us into 2023, I really want you to encourage you just kind of to, just kind of let the Spirit set the pace, because I think that for uh, many here this morning, or, or if you're watching online or watching later, uh, I think there's going to be freedom today. I think that even in the church, what you're going to hear today and understanding of the significance of Jesus' baptism, uh, I think some of you are going to leave with a smile on your face. Some of you uh, may understand more clearly why you've been in bondage and why you've not been enjoying the, the freedom and the joy and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And your walk with the Lord has almost been a sense of duty and drudgery, a sense of half empty versus half full, a sense of, you know, I'm always just a step behind. I'm always, you know, if that's you, I'm excited for you because I believe that today um, you can be set free. You really can be set free. So to set context, we're going to read Mark 1, 4 through 8. This is what we covered last week, if you weren't here. It says, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying... After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So again, John the Baptist was sent as a herald, really calling the people to prepare yourself, prepare your hearts, because somebody's coming. And this somebody is King Jesus Messiah. And so he preaches, we looked at this a few weeks ago, he is preaching a message of repentance, of confession. And a whole bunch of people received that. And we saw that repentance is simply, I was going my way, I make a turn, and now I'm following God. They are repentant. They come out to John the Baptist to be baptized as an outward symbol of a repentant heart. And it says they're confessing their sins. Okay? Now remember, it's very important. In context, this is a precursor to Jesus' arrival. All of this is happening in preparation for Jesus to show up on the scene. Miraculous, wonderful act. And now, in verses 9 through 11, Jesus shows up. And this is what happens. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So Jesus shows up, he's baptized, and we see that there's a supernatural event that happens, right? That's only three verses. If you're not careful, you just keep going right on. Okay, what's next? Oh, this is kind of cool. Okay, so in... But if you pause, how many of us as a parent ever had your youngster ask why? Right? You were swimming along, you're like going on, da, 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 da. you think you're just going to move on to the next thing, and your little one says, why? Right? And it slows you down. What do you mean, why? It's just, to, you know, and then you, you, to answer that why means you better know why, the answer, right? And so this why. Well, if you, if you pause, in light of what John the Baptist was 
was preaching, right? So John the Baptist is preaching a message of repentance and confession of sin. People get baptized in response to that. So we read 9 through 11 where Jesus Jesus gets baptized, and the question is, why? Why did Jesus get baptized? We know what happened. He got baptized, right? That's the what, but but, but why? Because isn't Jesus the Lamb of God who never sinned? He was the spotless, unblemished sacrifice. So it can't be that Jesus was repentant and confessing his sins because Jesus didn't have anything to repent from, nor did he have any sins to confess. And then if you fast forward and you try to look at it through our lens today, we, we call people to baptism as a sense of identification with what? Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. But none of that had happened yet. So if Jesus getting baptized wasn't about John the Baptist's message, and Jesus getting baptized wasn't about why we proclaim you should be baptized today, why did Jesus get baptized it's, it's a very important question, and there's wonderful application to us today if we'll just kind of slow down and really ask yourself, right? And, and really the answer to that, uh, there's two I words, if you want to, you know, if you're into that, it, it, two words that begin with I. Number one is, the reason, one of the reasons Jesus got baptized was identification. To identify with us. Now remember that Jesus was fully God, fully human, Right? And so one aspect of his baptism was to identify in his humanness with us humans on this planet, yet without sin, okay? J. Vernon McGee says this, Jesus is identifying himself completely with sinful mankind. Isaiah had prophesied that he would be numbered with the transgressors. Here is a king who identifies himself with his subjects. Christ was holy He did not need to repent. You and I do need to repent. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He was baptized to completely identify himself with humanity. You know, I love that because if you read the Gospels and you read Jesus' interactions with the common folk, right, there's an aspect of it. I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels and I I remember, I look back, I was thinking when I first read it, there's an aspect when you look at Jesus, he just gets us. Right? He really had problem with the religious leaders who were separate from the common folk, right? The working class. But when it came to the working class, how many of you have ever read the Gospels? You're like, Jesus gets me. Right? He's not doing this. He does this to the religious leaders mostly, right? But when it comes down to the broken and, and you know, those, the real downtrodden, Jesus, somehow he comes down and he identifies. He gets us, right? In fact, it says Jesus looked on the, on the masses with what? Compassion. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. He identifies with us. He gets us, right? I I love this in Hebrews 4, in the New Living Translation, it says this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. How many of you, it, it resonates with you that Jesus gets what you're going through? Right? Because sometimes you're going through something in life, and, and because we get in our head and we get in our emotions, you ever get to that place where like, nobody understands. I'm all alone. You just don't get it. Right? I wish there was somebody who just understood me. Anyone? Right? You just kind of go down the hole and you're just like, oh, well, you know. And, and every year you're around people who really, are, you're like, compassionately want to get you. But sometimes they can't. You know, sometimes, you know, in my walk and in my life, you know, uh, trying to pursue God as a godly man and, and all the stuff unique to, to being a godly man and not just a pastor but a husband and a dad. You know, sometimes I'm going through stuff and I'll try to talk to my wife. Right? And God bless you. Because she tries, 
And she's listening. And I'm la-da-da-da-da, and I'm ranting, la-da-da-da-da. And she's just doing her best to be compassionate and understanding. And then after a while, she goes, you need to talk to a guy. <laughs> right? Can I get an amen, ladies? Right. Can I get an amen, ladies, for your, guy, your, your husband going, you need to talk to a girl? Because I just, that's beyond, that's like different language, right? The cool thing is Jesus gets us, right? So when you're in the midst and you're like pouring out your heart, but Lord, but Lord, and this happened, and I'm so angry, and I'm so hurt, and I'm like, Jesus knows. He identifies with you and me when we're in the pit, when we're in the valley. He gets it. He gets it. Rather than this, he does this. Rather than standing over you and saying, get your act together, come on, grow up, he sits next to you for as long as it takes. He just sits. Why? Because he gets it. He knows that life is often much more complicated than just do this. Just do this. Right? And, I, and I, I, I'm not downplaying prayer by any means, and I'm not downplaying scripture by any means. But sometimes, if we're not careful in the church, we have what's called band-aid theology. Where something comes up, and you look for a verse, which is appropriate. I'm not saying you don't do that. But we think by just slapping a verse on, it's going to just... Sometimes life is messy and complex and grievous. And there's no quick fix. It takes time. And I got to tell you, one of the most comforting thoughts is Hebrews 4.15, that Jesus gets it. He was fully human. He was fully human, yet without sin. And then he says, come to the throne of grace. Find, find mercy and grace. Come, come, come. Right? And so Jesus identifies this part of his baptism was this identification right right off the bat as he begins his public ministry he's kind of symbolically saying hey i get you i get you right i'm not standing on the bank like the religious leaders i'm not one of them standing on the bank watching you sinners get baptized he gets in there symbolic of identifying with us with us now this idea of identification springboards us into what I said before in, in 2023. In contemporary times, we look at baptism as identifying with Jesus, right? So it's interesting. Jesus gets baptized to identify with us. Today, we get baptized to identify with him. Identification still happens today, except it's just the other way around. Now, I do want to address something uh, very important, kind of doctrinal and theolog theological. We believe here at the well, and we believe it's, you know, biblically supported, that baptism is an aspect of identification with Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. It is not an issue of salvation. There is a term out there called baptismal regeneration. Baptismal regeneration essentially says baptism is a requirement for salvation. Okay, we, we, don't, we don't believe that here. And, and I want to share a verse with you that, that can, you know, has, has been a source of confusion, and I hope that uh, this will clear it up. In Acts 2, 37 to 38, Pentecost, the uh, Holy Spirit comes, Peter preaches, right? Peter preaches, powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. They say, Yo, Pete, what should we do? Right? Acts 2, 37 to 38 says this. Now, when they heard this, okay, this is what Peter's preaching, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll leave that up. Challenging word. There's a challenging word up on the screens right now. What's the challenging word? For. 
Look what he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For? For the forgiveness of your sins. Wait, I thought, I thought it wasn't about salvation. Why does the Bible say for the forgiveness of your sins? Hmm. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For? For? Right? And this, is, this, this verse in particular has been a source of a really kind of a, a stumbling block to many when it comes to uh, the significance and the reason for baptism. And let me just help you. That word for in the Greek is pronounced ice. We would, we, we would spell it E-I-S. Okay? Now, ice has a couple different meanings in the Greek. And so when they translate it to the English, sometimes it's hard to get it just right. So verses like this, it's technically the right Greek word, but if you don't know the, the appropriate Greek meaning, you get kind of twisted up in knots. So ice can mean basically two, two distinct, two broad distinctions. In order to get or because of slash as a result of. Okay? So if you're not familiar with it, you can read that, repent and be baptized, every one in the name of Jesus Christ, right? In order to get forgiveness of sins, or it could be, repent, every, I mean, be baptized in the, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of sins. The correct interpretation and application is, in this case, because of, as a result of. Now, let me, let, me, let me just bring it right down to kind of so an illustration that's real simple and powerful. Let's say Jody has a headache, right? He's like, I got a splitting headache, right? And I say, hey, man, take two aspirin for your headache. Here's two aspirin for your headache. Am I saying, hey, take two aspirin in order to get your headache? Or am I saying, hey, take two aspirin because you have a headache? It's an after the fact. It's a because of. So that's simply what that verse means. Okay? It's not in order to get forgiveness. It's because of, as a result of. The baptism, forgiveness of sins has already happened at the moment of salvation. Baptism is an outward symbol that it already has happened. Just like you take two aspirin because you already have a headache, not in order to get a headache. Right? That illustration, when I read that, I'm like, bingo, thank you. Okay? You see this also in Matthew 3.11. We looked at this uh, last week or two weeks ago. He's, um, he says this. John says this. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So it says there, I baptize you with water for repentance. They had already been repentant. Okay? Right? It's as a result of your repentance, I'm baptizing you. I'm not baptizing you in order for you to repent. They had already repented. Same use, same definition of the word ice. Okay? So I hope, I hope that clarifies it. And I hope if you have discussions with others about the importance of salvation as it relates to baptism, that that really brings some clarity. Okay? And so it's an identification, right? So the first reason that Jesus was baptized was an identification. Romans 6, even for us, right, it says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's the powerful kind of New Testament, New Covenant identification of baptism. Amen? Right? We looked at that at Easter. Right? Resurrection life. And so that's why baptism should be an incredible celebration. Baptism, if you have not been baptized, I just want to, you'll hear it a few times this morning, you got to get baptized. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of a supernatural work and a supernatural relationship, okay? It's also an act of obedience, right? Matthew 28, it's part of the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end 
of the age, right? Baptism matters. It really does matter, especially if you're just launching into this new covenant relationship right off the bat, right? How many of you watch Jesus Revolution, right? Boom! Baptism not only was a celebration for the church, it was a testimony to the non-believers. It's, it, there's power behind it. It's not just, you know, kind of a, oh, I don't know, hmm, let me think about it. It really, really does matter. Okay? So it's not an issue of salvation. Really, baptism is a celebration of your salvation. It's a celebration of you, you choosing and you publicly declaring to the world, hey, world, I'm identifying with Jesus. I'm identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. Hey, world, this is me. Woohoo! Amen? This is me. Okay, so it's a celebration. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized, even if you've been walking with Jesus for decades, get baptized. It's a celebration, and we would love to, to make that happen. The other thing as far as identification, when you're sharing the gospel, as Jesus identifies with us, here's an here's, here's encouraging thing. If you're sharing the gospel or you're around non-believers at work or in your family, follow Jesus' example. And instead of this, do this. Instead of being quick to lecture and say, ya oughta, ya oughta, ya oughta, just sit and listen and learn their story. Get to know them. Have a heart of compassion for the lost identify with them. Because here's the truth. We once were lost. We once were blind. We once were spiritually dead. Amen? But we forget that. I don't know why we forget that over time. And then suddenly we get all excited and we go out there and we're preaching and we want people to be saved as if we were never in their shoes. And come on, what's wrong with you? Oh, da, 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 da. And how many of you in your journey to faith, had one or more people who gave you compassion, who gave you an ear, who just listened, who didn't condemn you, and didn't tell you to get your act together, and just, come on, they just let you come along at your pace with faith. And then you know what? That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Sure does take the pressure off of having to seal the deal, having to close the deal, and get them to... No, you know what? Maybe you're just the ear. Maybe in the long line of their uh, journey to meet Jesus, for a season, you were a compassionate ear. Or a, just a friend who went out to lunch and coffee and, and valued them. And just met them where they were in the muck and mire of their life. So Jesus identifies with us. As we go out and share the gospel, just identify with them. Okay, and I will let you off the hook with this. Compassion is not equal to condoning. Sometimes we get all like, oh, you know, you know, if I'm compassionate, does that mean I'm condoning their lifestyle? Am I condoning their sin? And can I hang out with them? It's not condoning. Where did the religious leaders freaked out when Jesus went to eat with who? The sinners and the tax collectors. He had compassion on them. He knew that that's where he needed to be. He wasn't condoning. He was compassionate. Him being in that environment didn't touch his identity. You going out and interacting with the world doesn't affect your identity. Now, you have to be careful that you don't get sucked into, you know, the, the, the lust of the flesh and the things of the world. You have to be very careful because there are well-meaning believers who have said, I'm going into darkness and ended up getting sucked into it. Okay, you have to be very careful with that. What I am saying, though, is sometimes as Christians, we got to be separate from the world. I'm in the world, but not of the world. And we do this, and we do this, and we do this to the world. And you know what? I'll give you a year or two, and you don't even hang out with unbelievers anymore. Unless you have to. Because we're doing this. Um, we're pushing all the, the, all the non-believers away, and we're surrounding ourselves with all believers, right? And we just live in the light. Light, 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 right? And there's a phrase called rabbit hole Christianity, right? So here's rabbit hole Christianity, right? Sunday, I pop out of my hole. And I go, 
I scurry. And I show, Tuesday night. Hello. Women's worship event. We just like, we're like rabbit holes. We pop up at all the Christian stuff. And the rest of the time we're hiding. Until the next Christian event, we're around all Christians and all light. And it's all feel good. Right? I don't think that's what he had in mind when he said go into all the world. Okay? So we go out into the world with compassion. We go out into the world identifying that we were once of the world. Right? How many of you praise God for where you are today? And, okay. Here's another thing, too. It's okay to share your testimony of where you came from, whatever you into, with the appropriate setting, with the appropriate person. It doesn't mean you're condoning that they're there. It, you're, you're sharing where you came from as a testimony to God's grace and God's salvation and God's freedom. Again, because sometimes when you're sharing, some people are looking at you and looking at me like, yeah, that's good for you. You're just a goody two-shoe. You don't understand. You had everything handed to you, and your life is just perfect. You don't get me. That's a great opportunity to say, I get you, and let me, let me tell you my story. And suddenly they look at you like, dude, really? I thought your marriage was perfect, and I thought your kids were all perfect. I never knew you went through that. I never knew you declared bankruptcy. I never knew you were addicted. Part of our story is the testimony to God's grace. Use it that way. Because somebody out there may just need somebody go, man, you do get it, don't you? And you're like, yes, I do. That's powerful. That's a powerful moment. Okay? So Jesus understands us, and he calls us when he go out to be compassionate and understanding with others. Ty, can you click down the AC just a tad? Make it a little cooler. <laughs> Compassion, right, brother? <laughs> I get you, Andy. You can turn that on if you want. It's cool. I love this from the Life Application. It says this. Why then did Jesus do it? He did it because he is both God and human. He underwent baptism and even death as only a human could. He lived a sinless life and rose from the dead as only God could. This baptism by John in the Jordan River was another step in his identification with us sinful people. And the arrival of the dove signifies God's approval. Now, Jesus would officially begin his ministry as God's beloved son, walking the dusty roads of Israel. When you are hurting, depressed, broken, remember, you have a savior who understands your humanity. When you sin, remember, he has paid the price for your disobedience. He understands. Right where you are, whatever life station you are, whatever issue, he understands. That right there should settle somebody down today. Because we get like this. And usually when we're like this, we're carrying the weight of the world and we're trying to figure it out. Because nobody understands and nobody can fix this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Sometimes you just need to call time out and go, wait, okay, Lord. You, Hebrews 4.15 says you understand. Let me just settle myself down here and get out of the red zone. And just come to the throne of grace. Because you understand Okay, so that's identification. The second word that begins with I, why, why was Jesus baptized? Inauguration. Inauguration. What is a, you know, and presidents have inaugurations, right? What is an inauguration? It's to make a formal beginning to commence to begin. Inauguration, all right? So Jesus was baptized. It was an inauguration moment. John 1. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So Jesus coming out and doing the human act of being baptized, coupled with now this supernatural act of the Holy Spirit, like a dove coming down, and this voice speaking about how pleased he is with Jesus. That's the commencement. That's the inauguration. That's the combination. So you had Jesus' humanity, baptism. Now you have Jesus' deity, where his father himself shows up and does something supernatural, right? In the Old Testament, in Isaiah, it says this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations, right? So this is like fulfillment of Old Testament. This whole thing happening right here is a supernatural act of God to inaugurate Jesus, to formally commence. Right? Because, you know, otherwise it just would have been John the Baptist. This is him. Yeah, right, John. Whatever you say, John. Boom, baptizes Jesus. Now it's not just John's word. Heavens are ripped open. Holy Spirit descends a voice. We're like, oh, you were right, John, weren't you? Right? Suddenly, this is, a, this is a supernatural, miraculous affirmation of John's ministry. Right? And, and look, what is, look what it says in Mark 1, 10 to 11. When he, Jesus, came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I have no idea what all those people did at that moment. Must have been crazy, right? John MacArthur says this, God had examined, as it were, his beloved son who would offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of those with whom he was willing to identify himself. No imperfection could be found in him, and God was delighted. This was a powerful moment. This was God's seal of approval. This was God's declaration, about who Jesus was and what he was about to do. And, and, and I just want to encourage you. We talked last week that at the moment of salvation, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we saw last week that the Holy Spirit not only empowers us for daily life, it's a seal of approval as well. Ephesians 1, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Jesus comes up. God himself says, I am well pleased with you. You put your faith in Jesus. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God says, I am well pleased with you. It's, it is incredible. J.C. Ryle says this. There is a rich mine of comfort in these words for all Christ's believing members. In themselves and in their own doings, they see nothing to please God. They are daily sensible of weakness, shortcoming, and imperfection in all their ways. But, them, but let them recollect that the Father regards them as members of his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. He sees no spot in them. He beholds them as in Christ, clothed in his righteousness, and invested with his merit. They are accepted in the beloved. And when the eye, holy eye of God looks at them, he is well pleased. This springboards Jesus' baptism to April 23rd, 2023. See, supernatural, supernatural declaration, seal of approval. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Seal of approval, boom. Can you imagine Jesus comes up, Holy Spirit sits down, and suddenly, Father's voice, that's my boy. I'm well pleased with him. Imagine what that did to Jesus. That's right.
This is God's child. He is well pleased with him. This is God's child. He is well pleased with her. Through faith in Jesus, you are God's child. He is well pleased with you. He, is, he delights in you. He delights in you. As you sit here in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, God the Father, creator of the universe, Abba, is well pleased with you. He's delighting in you. When you put your faith in Jesus, you know what the Bible says? The heavens rejoiced for you. For you, right? For you. You put your faith in Jesus. There was a party in heaven for you. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, right? But see, for some of you, you're struggling right now. Some of you right now are having a hard time receiving this. And why? Because the only time you heard something from somebody that you cared about was when you did something wrong. And when you did something right, you never heard Good job. What was communicated to you in the silence was, okay, expected, no big deal. But when you messed up, when you failed, there was what someone called an overdose of attention to that. So you have become hypersensitive and hyper aware of your failures. And when you do something good, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even resonate. We overemphasize the failures and undervalue the accomplishments. And you bring that into your faith. And I tell you, God delights in you. He's pleased with you. You're like, but I, I sinned. But I cussed. But, 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 but. Am I close, Jody? A little bit? Yeah, I know. Right? Are we, why, why do we have such a hard time enjoying God's approval when many of us as believers are still trying to earn it? Are you enjoying God's approval or are you living your Christian life to still try to earn it, still try to justify it, still try to make it okay that God kind of likes you? See, some of you, I say, God delights in you. He's well-pleasing with you. He's like, whoa, that's my son, that's my daughter. You're like, I think he kind of just puts up with me. I think when I got saved, they announced to have a party and like two people showed up because they had to. Some of you laugh, but some of you are like that. I tell you, you put your faith in Jesus and the heaven erupt and all heaven rejoices and you're like, no, maybe for him, maybe for them. But for me, you mean heaven erupted? They rejoiced when I put my faith in Jesus and they're all happy. When I get there, they're going to be rejoicing to see me. Yes. You're like, no, I think, I think they kind of just let me in because they had to, because I said a prayer and I believe in Jesus. So they, you know, you're like the, they, they have to let me in Christian. I got my Jesus faith card. So they have to let me in. You're like, no. No, as much as Jesus must have been overwhelmed by his father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, you have to receive that today. Stop trying to earn his approval. It was a gift to begin with. When you put your faith in Jesus, all of God's approval came with it. It came with it. It was part of the package deal, right? Romans 8, 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Receive God's love and approval as his child. Stop being his slave, when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, we flip that. Oh, now we got to prove we love him because we obey, you know. That is not what that verse means. That verse has been so twisted. When Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, what it means is love me and obedience will flow. Obedience is a fruit of our life. We're not trying to prove our love. It's a fruit of our love. Amen? 
freedom. That's freedom. When we do things, when you do things in your life, you do it because you are well-pleasing to God. He already approves of you. That's freedom and joy. We're the ones keeping score, and we're the ones that have an overdose of attention on failure. Let me just ask, how many of you failed this week? How many of you are sitting next to somebody who failed this week? How many would like to share what that person did? No, don't do that. How many of you had victory this week and celebrated it and were as joyful in your victory as you were bummed in your failure? Was your, were you in balance? Were you in balance? I'm just going to ask. Just, you got to keep it in balance because we're all in process. But here's the thing, Right? It's like, okay, it, it, like in sports. I grew up playing sports. And there's a phrase, right? If you want to be successful in sports, you can't play not to lose. You have to play to win. If you're playing not to lose, you get all tied up in knots. And now you're scared of messing up. Now you're scared of missing the basket. Now you're scared of striking out. Now you're just scared, 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 anxious, anxious, anxious. And all that fear and anxiety just ties you up in knots and spoils the game. Right? Right, Mark? Pick a ball. You just got to go. You can't be afraid of messing up. You just got to swing and go for it. Right? Same thing in our Christian walk. Quit trying to live your Christian faith to earn God's approval. You're already in. Be free and swing. Take a full swing. Grip it and rip it. Amen? Grip it and rip it. Let her fly. That's why I love Peter. Peter was a grip it and rip it dude, man. Came to his mouth and he just shot it out there. But did Jesus kick him to the curb? No, in fact, Peter said, I'm going back to my business of fishing, and Jesus chased him down. Gripped it and rip it. You're already in, man. And if you blow it and you sin, confess it, repent, and get right back into the game and grip it and rip it again. That's what we need. The church needs, we just need to grip it and rip it for Jesus all the time. And we're not going to get it right but you got to go for it. And what's the source of going for it? You're accepted, right? There's something I've done in the years past, truths that I've taught, right, that you are complete. Everyone say complete, loved, accepted, pleasing, right? I've shared this with you 13 years. Complete in Christ, you are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. I've used this. When I was initially in ministry and I started preaching, I'd get so nervous and I'd be like, oh, Lord speak at schools or wherever I was going to speak, speak in church. And I would get so tied up in knots, afraid of what people are going to think, afraid of I'm going to mess up, oh, da, 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 da. And when God showed me, no, wait, dude, in Christ, you are complete. You are loved. You are accepted. You are pleasing. I would do that. And that was my code. Sometimes even before I would preach, I would just kind of do this. Or if I was going to an event, even not just in ministry, but even in life. I would get nervous or anxious in certain social settings, business settings, or whatever. I would have to do this. It was kind of like my little, dude, you're complete, you're loved, you're accepted, you're pleasing. Audience of one. And that audience of one says you are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. And I would do this. If I was really nervous, I'd be doing this. Right? You just do this, right? So complete, loved, accepted. Now, you got to say it like you mean it. Because some of you are still like, I don't know. Sort of complete, a little bit loved, halfway accepted, pleasing when I don't mess up. See, some of you, in Christ, you are complete, complete. Loved. loved, accepted, accepted. Pleasing. pleasing. That's you. That's you. You got to clap for yourself sometimes because it's the truth. It's, right? You clap. Why do we clap? When you're what? Like something good happens. You're happy. You're celebrating, right? Oh, complete love. Yeah. Come on. Jesus' baptism springboards us into 2023. He identifies with us. So today we identify with him and we identify with the lost. He came as Messiah. Through faith in him, we are born again regenerated, complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. That's who you are. 
Be free. Swing for the fence. Swing for the fence, right? That phrase, dance like nobody's watching. Sing like nobody's listening. Right? And some of you do that at home, I know. In the shower, you're just like, man, there's good acoustics in here. I'm just going to let it rip. Until you find out someone was home. You're like, oh, man, did you hear me? Right? You know those freedom moments, right? When you're singing and you just cut loose. How many of you know what I'm talking about, the cut loose moments? You put all the inhibitions aside. You put all the, what are people going to think about me? All the fear of failure. You put it all aside. You think you're all alone and you just go for it. Anyone? Do that with Jesus because you're accepted. You're accepted. You're his child. You're not his slave. You are his child. With you, he is well pleased. He's well pleased. All right? So before we do communion, we're going to circle back, and I, I just want to circle back to baptism because it is important. It does matter. I want to share a little video clip of baptism. If you've not been baptized, whether you're new to the faith or you've been for many years and for whatever reason you haven't been baptized, we got to do it. we got to take care of business. It's a celebration. It's an identification, right? It's an act of obedience. We love that. Don't talk to one of the elders. We'd love to chat with you. We'll put it on the calendar. We'll, we'll make it happen. All right, uh, Wayne and Sherry, I love the pictures you sent of Wayne baptizing, you know, your nephew, grandson at the mobile home park and pool. I love those pictures. He doesn't even have to be here. He doesn't even have to be one of us. You guys, believers can baptize believers. Spirit moves. You got to go. So I want to share this video with you. If you've not been baptized, let's take care of business. All right. Watch the video and then Randy will come up. Today, I tell my friends, my family, the world, that the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone, nailed to the cross, and paid for by the blood of my Savior, of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. I'm part of the crazy announcements here today. Um, so I wanted to let you know about two events that the women's ministry are planning. And the first one is this Saturday. Um, so um, it's coming up very quickly. This Saturday, we're going to volunteer, have a work day through the Ojai Valley Land Conservancy. And we did it last year. We had a great time down at the uh, river, uh, the Ventura River, to maintain trails. This year, we're going to do it a little bit easier access to the Ojai Meadows Preserve, which is right next to Nordoff. So if you'd like to go, all are welcome. Um, we had families down there, kids. It's, a, it's an easier access. The parking will be at St. Thomas Aquinas uh, Church in the back, as far back in their parking lot. And then we will meet there um, and go from there and just do some ground maintenance, uh, trail maintenance there. But it was a lot of fun. And it's a great way to just be light in our com community, give back to our community, and even just loving one another. Because it's a place that we can go and enjoy. Not only us, but our whole community can go there and enjoy being there and being outdoors. So it's a great way to give back to the community. All are invited. This Saturday, 9 o'clock, um, we'll meet at uh, the parking lot there. Hope you can all come. Second event is the week after on Saturday, May 6th. 
uh, the women are having a worship night together. So that will be uh, here at, um, at the well, but in the commons, a little more intimate setting than in here. Um, and that will just be um, one hour, uh, maybe a little bit more, of a time that we'll come together um, to sing, to worship, to pray a little bit. A uh, few people might share. It's very non-threatening. I wanted to let you know as much of it as possible so there's no... Uh, you know, crazy surprises at the end. It's, uh, you don't have to do anything out loud if you don't want to, but it's just a good time to get together as women um, to um, just discover the Lord together and to encourage one another. So I encourage you all to come there as well. Thank you. Uh, and all this information is on the website. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I have a couple of other announcements without Roscoe. Um, so the first one, next Sunday, um, Teen Challenge is going to come and visit us. So we have the opportunity to invite a friend. It's just a great time. You hear the women's um, testimony, how they, they just share their life to you, how Jesus has helped them and on their walk. And then afterwards, they're going to be selling succulents. I guess it's some kind of plant. They put in something and it grows. But it's, it eats, each one of them has a testimony on it. So it helps the program, but also tells the story of what their journey they went through. The next announcement I have is um, we, as a church, we come alongside Help Up Ojai and we make lunches. So there's going to be 20 lunches that need to be made. And so we're going to be making them. If you're interested in helping Cindy, which is Lynn's better half. Cindy, where's? Quite a bit better. There she is, the pretty lady in the red that didn't want me to call her out, but I did anyway. Um, contact her, and it's also there's a sign-up sheet on that welcome card as you walked in. So now, Aubrey, she's part of our missions team. Does it work? Okay. All right, good morning. Um, I just wanted to give an announcement, um, well, a few, about the upcoming missions trip to Mexico, to Tijuana, in June. Um, <laughs> that wasn't working so well. Um, first of all, if you could just be praying for the team that's going down. We have a full team, um, first time, I think, ever. Um, Sign-ups are full. And we're going down <clears throat> um, again in June. And if you could also be praying for the families that are going to be receiving new homes. Isaac, will you do me a favor and go back to the first slide? Yeah, thank you. Um, so this is my fourth year with my family going down to Mexico. And um, when we go down, typically this is the kind of building that um, the families are living in. It's usually a piece together, some type of kind of shack. There's tarps and plywood, and, and they're getting by with what they can. There's no door usually. There's no lock. Um, the floor is dirt. And um, go ahead, Isaac, if you want to go through some of the slides. And as we come down, um, we are coming together to build walls and um, put in electricity. And the most recent change is they're providing a water tank so they can get water inside the house. Um, and that's the finished product uh, at the end is to have a two-bedroom house um, an area for a sink and a place for food, and we um, furnish it with um, beds and bedding and a dining table. We take them usually to Walmart, and we get food and anything that they need, um, kitchen utensils. We just try to set everything up so that um, they get this new start in a place that becomes a safe and secure refuge and shelter for them. Um, it is so beautiful to see, and for me, it's a reminder of our walk with Christ, how, like that first slide, we're just broken, and um, we need a safe place, and God is that safe place, and I love seeing the transformation and, and what they get to walk into, um, and what they, how they get to live, um, that they get to invite people over, that they have a door that locks that they don't have to eat off the dirt floor. <laughs> um, so it's really a beautiful thing. 
Um, and if you could just be praying for that upcoming trip, it would be so greatly appreciated. Um, so far, we have raised, or you have given, um, about $6,791 in donations, and we still have a lot more to collect and raise. Um, we're having a fundraiser barbecue Sunday, May 7th at 11.15. There are sign-ups um, out on the cart in the back. Please, please sign up if you'd like to come. There's no cost, but we would love donations um, to raise money for this trip. And... Um, yeah, we need you to sign up just so that we know how much food to prep for and, and what to provide. Um, last but not least, Betty always makes bags for the children in Mexico. Um, and so we have a chest in the commons where we can um, take donations of school supplies, small toys and gifts, toiletries, anything that you think might bless these kids when we go. Um, we usually make about 20? How many have we made, Betty? Something like that. And um, the kids all swarm and were able to give um, all these children something that just brings them joy. So thank you for listening, and um, we just appreciate your prayers.